for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Amen. Good morning. Come on, anybody excited? Let's go, let's go. I'm fired up this morning, man. I got a I got a text message last night that said, Pastor, be encouraged. I can't wait to get under the word tomorrow. Thank you, brother. That encourages me. I can't wait to get under the word. I mean, what a picture that is. I can't wait for the word to get over me, for the word to press down on me, for the word to get inside me, to wreck me, to tear me down, to build me back up again and set me free. Amen? Father, thank you for your word which tears down and builds up. Thank you for your word which which smashes all shackles and sets the captives free. Thank you for the word that opens blind eyes, Lord God, and causes the lame to walk. Thank you for your word that says to the dead, awake, rise, and walk in Jesus' name. Let it be that word here this morning. Amen? All right. All right, I like to start with a quote. All the kids are gone. We're all comfy. Amen. Not there's nothing dirty or nothing, but you know, just want to make sure everybody's cool. Everybody's, amen. All right, here's a quote this morning. You ought to live your life with such freedom and joy that uptight Christians will doubt your salvation. <laughs> I love that. Let's not get it twisted though. The world should not doubt your salvation. Let's not get it twisted. We're saying uptight, the religious folk should doubt your salvation. Amen? They should doubt your church and your pastor. Hallelujah. Because see, the bottom line is the only people, this is from the same book, the only people who get better are people who know that if they never get better, God will love them anyway. I know that was a little harder to swallow. (laughs) Last one, last one. If there is no laughter, Jesus has gone somewhere else. If there is no joy and freedom, it is not a church. If there is no celebration, there is no real worship. Oh, man. Oh, man. See, fam, we got to get this grace thing down. Amen? If we're going to learn anything about Christianity, we got to get this grace thing down. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. We can't outperform other people for it. We just have to receive it. Amen? I, I, I get crazy when I talk to people and, and they want to play the comparison game. You know, and they say, well, at least, you know, I'm a good person. Anybody heard that, that excuse? Listen, I'm a good person. So, and, and the funny thing is they always compare themselves to the vilest you know, dirt of the earth. They're like, I ain't raping nobody. I ain't killing nobody. I'm not stealing. I'm not knocking old ladies over and stealing their social security checks. I mean, I'm a good person. How, how come they never compare themselves to good people? Right? I mean, if you're going to compare, then compare yourself to somebody good. How about if you're really going to compare yourself, compare yourself to the way Jesus walked. 
If you really want to compare yourself, and I mean the way Jesus walked, the way the Word says Jesus walked, not, not the way the Da Vinci Code says Jesus walked, not the way Kanye says Jesus walked, but the way the Word says Jesus walked. Amen? Because the Word of God says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Since the fall, we were born in sin with hearts full of deceit. You, wanna, you want me to prove it? Here's the proof. Toddlers lie before they're potty trained. Right? Who taught them how to lie? You, you can catch a kid with Sharpie paint all over them, and, and there's, there's a wall full of Sharpie, and you tell that kid, who, who wrote on that wall? Did you put a Sharpie on that wall? He can have six Sharpies in his diaper. Did you, did you paint that wall? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Right? How they learn to lie. They didn't. They were born sin sick. We are born sin sick. Welcome to the Sanctuary Fellowship this morning. Anybody new for the first time? Isn't it great to come and have, have somebody you don't know tell you you was born sinful? You were born sin sick? Somebody got to tell you, amen? Because maybe you came in here thinking you was good. <laughs> you came in here thinking I don't need all this worship time I don't need to do all this prayer time I don't need to have the songs repeated again so I can get them I don't need to be sitting here for the word I don't need to hear this and hear this I heard it all, you know, I come on Easter and Christmas <laughs> sometimes we need to get broke up before we can get built up, amen see when I came to God I thought I was doing him a favor when I, I thought I thought I'll come in the guy I said God you could use somebody like me on your team I am I am a nice person I am charismatic people like me man God you could use me but the closer I got to God the 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 the, the more I started to see myself amen the closer I got to God, the, the more ugly I saw was in the mirror. The more ugly came out of me. The closer I, I compared myself to God, the closer I got to God, the brighter the light got on me and the more dirt that I got to see. Amen? See, the Old Testament gives us the law, not because God thought we can keep it. It gives us the law so that we can, so to show us how much we need God, how we can't keep the law. How all of us have sinned. We all fall short. Because if one of us could say, well, I can keep the whole law, then we don't need God. We won't need the sacrifice. But if you messed up even just once. Anybody in here? I know there are good people in here. I can tell by your faces. We got good, good people. But anybody, even the good ones, did you mess up even once? Did you lie even once? Was that you with the Sharpie when you were six? That was definitely me. I got kicked out of school for that. That's messed up, man. So if you lied even once, you need, you need Christ, amen? The first Adam couldn't do it, so the second Adam, Jesus, came to do it. We're born sin sick, but tell somebody, it doesn't end there. Oh, that's good. It doesn't end there. <laughs> We've been going through the book of John, man, and for a while now. For, for 18 chapters long now, we've been going through the book of John. 
And it's, and it's exciting, man, all the, the teachings, the miracles, the valuable lessons that we've picked up. And, and so far, all of that stuff that we've covered so far in these 17 chapters of the gospel would be pretty much meaningless, even powerless, if it wasn't for the last couple of chapters. If it wasn't for what happens now. <coughs> in our last chapter, Jesus prays for himself because he knows what he's about to endure. He knows the cup that God is going to give him. He knows that bitter cup that he's going to have to drink right now. And so he prays for himself. And then he prays for his disciples because he knows they are going to be scattered. And he knows that he, he's leaving the gospel with them. And they are the hope of the world. They are now the salt and light of the earth. And so he prays for them. And then he prays for us because who would later believe. Because he said, God, the way that you sent me, I'm sending them. And that's us today. Jesus says, as you sent me, I sent them. And it's a beautiful verse. He says, that the love you have for me would be in them. And that I would be in them. Say amen. But it doesn't end there. Chapter 18 takes us to the very next scene. It's the greatest story ever told. And to understand the full story, I'm using information recorded not just in John, but also adding to it Matthew, Mark, Luke as well, because God gave us the four Gospels that we would have a full picture. Amen? So here it is, the disciples gather in the garden right after that prayer. The disciples go together and they gather in the garden in this place that they normally go to. This is a place that they frequently gather to pray, to hang out, to, to, to be together, to seek God, to hear instruction. And it says that they gather in the garden and Judas arrives with the troops. Judas arrives, I mean, arrives with, with, with soldiers, with, with men, with torches and, and, and weapons, it says. And so this, this, this strong troop is coming toward them. And, and Jesus says, who are you looking for? Who are you looking for that you're coming with weapons and torches and, and, and lanterns? What, what's, who is it that you're looking for? And, and they say, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus says, I am he. The gospel says that when he says, I am he, everybody fell to the ground. That, that the place shook, that people were pushed back. The, the, the gospel is all recorded a different way, that, that they fell down or that they pushed back. Or, but the bottom line is when Jesus says, I am he, there was a reaction. There was power. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? There was power. See, the gentleness of God should never be mistaken for softness. It should never be mistaken for softness. And then the Gospels tell us that it was Peter who draws a sword and, and strikes the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Picture this scene. It's just Jesus and his disciples, handful under a dozen men. The Word of God tells us that they had two swords among them all. So it's less than a dozen men, they have two swords among them all. Peter, the guy who usually doesn't think before he acts and has a good habit for putting his foot in his mouth, he has one of the swords. If there is a lesson to be learned here, is don't put Judas the thief in charge of the money and don't put Peter the hothead in charge of the weapons. Somebody say amen. 
So Peter, Peter struck him and he's probably trying to take his head off, but he's not that good with a sword because he's a fisherman and he's just managed to cut off his ear. And, and I imagine Peter did it and he probably looked at Jesus. He had blood on his sword and this guy's there with blood gout, you know, squirting out of his head and, 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 and everybody's frozen for a split second. And I imagine Peter looked at, you know, Jesus, uh, Peter looked at Jesus like proud. Like, like, you said I was gonna deny you. You said before the rooster crowed, I'd deny you. But look at me standing up for you. Look at me. Look at me. Look what I did. I imagine he was, he was proud, but you see, Peter didn't understand that that wasn't where his temptation would come. He could stand against a band of armed men and not be afraid, but in just a little while, a teenage girl in the temple courts was going to ask him, aren't you one of the disciples that walked with Jesus? And he'd say, nah, man, it wasn't me. Family, sometimes we can stand in the big things, in the obvious things, we can take a stand, but in the little areas we deny Him. Come on, this is where it don't get pretty. In the big places we're strong and courageous, but in the small areas we're unfaithful. In church we're bold, but at, at, at my job I'm private. That's the excuse we give, I'm private. Nobody needs to know that I'm Christian. Nobody needs to know. I don't need to put scriptures up on my, on my cubicle. Nobody needs to know I'm, I'm a very private person. Oh, but in church you're hallelujah and jumping up and down. But at work you're private. Could it be that you didn't want shorty from the next cubicle to know that you're a Christian? Could it be? Uh, let's not even get into that. You, you understand. Around my Christian friends, I'll slay any demon in hell. But when I'm alone, I warm myself by their fire. Peter was warming himself by the fire of the enemy. Listen, when we think for sure that God is there, we act up. But when we think that God is not there, we act out. Y'all didn't get it, I'll say it again. Because <laughs> somebody should have walked out on that one. I'm not here to make friends, I'm here to give you the word of God, amen? When we think for sure that God is there, we act up. But when we think God is not there, we act out. This weekend is going to be a perfect illustration of that. This weekend will be a perfect illustration of that. We'll have people dressed as ghouls and goblins and wizards and warlocks and devil, and those are just the Christians. <laughs> we'll, oh boy we'll have people wearing devil horns and witches and I want to be Harry Potter and I want to be the wizard and I want to be this one and that one and that's just the Christians <clears throat> I've been hearing all week about a club that's putting on something called Purgatorium it's a club type of thing and, and I'm sure you're going to pay you know, 20, 30, 40 dollars to get into that thing and, and it's to scare you to death in there and, and it's a thing and, and man, you think there are going to be no Christians in there? come on, some of you already bought tickets don't play yourself you're just trying to creep now pastor knows how do he know?
Listen, this is just my conviction, and so I just got to bring it out because it's this weekend, and so and, and I'll move on. It has nothing to do with the message. Amen? Can I just do that? This is my conviction. I, I, I pictured, I was watching a, a special last night. There's a mausoleum that, it's a real mausoleum, but it's, it's you know, ancient. It's not used anymore. It's boarded up. And there's been all kinds of, of supernatural activity up in this mausoleum. And so they, they decided it would be a great place to have a haunted house. Because the place is haunted already. So there's already paranormal activity happening. By, by the way, paranormal activity, that just reminded me again. Don't, don't let me shout all of you out that said on Facebook, Oh, I saw that movie, now I can't sleep. Who told you to see that movie? Did, did you think that was going to make you sleep well? Did you think that was going to comfort you? Was that going to nourish your spirit? Was that going to encourage you? Was that was going to make you bolder? No, that is, that is going to... Come on, man. You are opening doors wide open saying, Enemy, come, have your way. This might be an ugly picture, but you're saying, enemy, rape me. I give you permission. I give you permission. Rape me. What, what is a Christian? What goes through a Christian's mind sitting, paying $11 to get into a place like that? Or paying $40 to get into a haunted mansion? What goes through a Christian's mind? Because, see, let me just tell you my conviction again. I, I would never, ever do that. Maybe because I'm a chicken. But, but, but here's, the real, here's the real deal. I figured, let's say I'm in this, this the mausoleum that they opened. Be, be, what, what, what people don't know is, you know, there's actors throughout the place whoa, scaring people and dressed as demons. But what they don't know is that there's also a research team there measuring paranormal activity because there's real stuff happening there. They don't know that. So, but they figured that just adds to the thing, right? It's wonderful. That just adds to the, to the environment. And so I, I see myself, let's say I'm in one of these things and something supernatural starts to happen in there. Some paranormal activity starts to go on in there. And I'm in the basement of this building and I'm feeling oppressed or choked or something. And there's nothing in front of me choking me. And who am I going to pray to? Who am I going to pray to? I say, God, help me. God, God could be like, what? I'm sorry, I don't hear in the basement of the purgatorium. Right? I mean, I mean, God, God could say, and, and this is not him, this is me, but, but God could say, no, you paid $30 to get in. I want you to get your money's worth. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Talk to me when you get out. Tonight, when you're scared, when the enemy's choking you and things are moving in your house and things are shaking and your kids are crying and there's no peace in your house, then, then talk to me and I'll answer you. Amen? But while you're in the purgatory, and don't pray to me. Warm yourself by the enemy's fire and have a good time. Amen? So, so I'm not being legalistic and preaching against Halloween. I'm just letting you know how I feel about it. Is that all right? All right. <laughs> See, I want the, the rooster to crow this morning and the body of Christ to repent for denying God, to repent for denying who we are, to repent for putting on horns and thinking it's cool, to repent for dressing our kids up as wizards and warlocks and thinking it's all right. I want the rooster to crow and the body of Christ to cry out and say, God, I'm sorry that there's 15 Harry Potter books in my house. I'm sorry that that's the only books that my kids will read. I'm sorry, God, that all I let them do is, is mess with the occult and mess with all this. I thought it was harmless. Listen, if you've gone there, 
The good news is today it doesn't end there. <laughs> That's this message, man. It doesn't end there. Let me go on with the story. The Gospel of Luke records that Jesus reaches out and touches the ear that Peter struck off. And the man is completely healed. We don't, it doesn't tell us that he picked up the ear or, or if a, just a new one grew in his hands, but it says he's healed. So that means whatever happened, the man probably has dry blood or, you know, all over his face and on his tunic and, and there's blood everywhere. But they, they, he, all of a sudden he says, he's healed completely healed. Now, watch what's, what's happening here because the immediate reaction of a band of soldiers coming to take someone by force and one of them being struck would be to strike back. Correct? If, if you're coming, if there's 20 of us coming, no, probably 40 of us coming, let's say, to take somebody by force and one of them pulls out a sword and strikes, what are we going to do? Instantly, right? If that had been a gunfight and Peter got one cap off, there'd be 16 clips in his chest. Right? Because it's just going to... He'd have 86 holes in his chest on the floor. And then they'd start looking at the other guys. Right? If it was a gunfight. <coughs> so quickly, he, 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 he strikes him and Jesus goes and heals him. Jesus rebukes him. He says, am I not going to drink the cup that my father has for me? In other words, Jesus is saying this has to happen. See, church, we can't, and this is for my real diehard Christians, we can't defend God. We weren't called to defend God. When we try, we mess it up. We couldn't defend God if we wanted to. Some of us think that, well, if we don't defend God in places, then we'll let Him down. God says, you can't let me down. You were never holding me up. Amen? If Christ, gently saying, I am He, throws soldiers down to the floor, imagine what an angry word would have said, would have done. Imagine what a violent word would have done. He could have exploded their hearts and their chests like that. Just Him saying, I am He, knocked everyone down to the floor. God doesn't need us to defend them, amen? Jesus is saying, this has to happen. I'm going to allow them to take me. This has to happen. And so one of the last miracles that the Gospels record before the resurrection was to heal the ear of the enemy who was coming to take him prisoner. I mean, do you, do you see the grace of God in this? He heals the ear of the enemy who was coming to take him prisoner. I don't know. I, I kept dwelling on that. Could it be symbolic? Could it be that Christ even wanted his enemies to be, still be able to hear the gospel story and be saved? Isn't that beautiful? See, with this healing, what Jesus does is He defends Peter and He defends the disciples. Because at, at this point, imagine the energy is roused up. Everybody's willing to fight back. They're about to kill everybody. Probably if they killed Jesus there and brought Him back, the, 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 the officials would be cool with that. They don't care. They want Him dead. But Jesus said it can't happen this way so that Scripture will be fulfilled. It can't happen this way. So he defends them. God, he, 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 he tells them, all of a sudden, Jesus becomes a hostage negotiator. He says, let them go. If it's me that you want, he says, let them go. It's me that you want. Take me. It's such a picture of the gospel and what's about to take place. When the wrath of God must fall on sin, Jesus says, take me. Let them go. 
come on, that's powerful. Take me. Let them go. Those words saved the lives of all of those men that day. And those words saved the eternal lives of every one of us who would receive him. If you want a relevant message today from the word of God that applies to every one of us, man has been taken hostage by sin. Sin doesn't care who it destroys, how it destroys. It doesn't care what it does to families, women, children. Sin does not care how it destroys. Jesus steps in and says, let them go. I'll take the punishment for them. Put the blame on me. If that's not relevant enough for you, then maybe your ears have been cut off. Or maybe they're just too stuffed with iPod headphones or something. You've been listening to too many other things. The story doesn't end there. It says Jesus was taken. He was bound. He was taken from that garden. He was brought to the high priest who questioned him and then struck him in the face for answering. And then he was brought to, the, 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 to, to Pilate, the governor of Judea. The, the Jewish leaders brought him before the Roman leaders because the Jewish leaders um, no longer had the power to execute anyone. The Roman leader said, we, that's our, that law is in us to do. And so they brought, him to, they brought Jesus to the Romans and, and made up charges against him. They said, this man is trying to start a political revolution. He tells people not to pay taxes to the king. He tells people that he's a king. Now watch this though. Watch, watch how they do this. This is so unbelievable. It says that they bring him to the entrance of, of the palace, but they don't go in. Why? Because it was Jewish customary law that if that a Jew cannot enter the house of a Gentile or he would become ceremonially unclean. And so they don't go into the palace to give Jesus. They come to the entrance of the palace to give him in because they, they're still devout Jews who love God, who want to worship the Passover feast and they want to take place, take part in all the ceremonies that are happening that week. So they don't want to become undefiled. But they're handing Jesus over to the Romans and making up charges. I mean, is there something wrong with that picture? There's no better picture of religion than this. <clears throat> they were setting up and falsely accusing Jesus and handing him over to be executed, but they were still concerned about following the law and about traditions. They wanted to remain ceremonially clean on the outside while on the inside they were meditating wickedness. That's religion, church. Religion will tell you it is better to look the part than actually play the part. Religion will remove the hats, the tattoos, the earrings, and the makeup, but leave all the sin in the hearts intact. They say, take that other stuff off, but let's keep the gossip, the backbiting, the judgmental looks, the attitudes. It's like Barbizon up in the church. You don't have to be a Christian, you just have to look like one. The world is going to hell in a handbasket and we got churches trying to get people to just look the part. But say it with me, the story doesn't end there. Pilate takes Jesus in and he questions him and he decides for himself, he says, I find no basis of these charges. I find no fault in this man. But, but Pilate, Pilate is saying, this man is innocent of all the political charges that they've told me that, he, that, that he's you know, made up. 
And so most of you know how the story progresses. Pilate wants to free him. And by law, he should, knowing that he's innocent, he should have stood up and freed him. But because Pilate was a people pleaser, he was more concerned about upsetting the religious community, the Jewish community. And so he does not set him free because when all you're concerned is, is pleasing people, the truth doesn't matter. Oh, it gets quiet in here now. The story doesn't end there. It was customary in such occasions and, and situations to release one prisoner. And, and so the people would have to decide. And so it, the word says that those people, the same people who were shouting Hosanna, and blessed is he who takes away the sins of the world earlier that week, are now shouting, give us Barabbas. And to Jesus, they're shouting, crucify him. Now fam, I don't have the, the time or the heart right now to get into the whole crucifixion. But suffice it to say it this way. Christ, who was innocent, was taken as a wicked person so that the wicked might be let go as innocent. Can I say that again? Christ, who was innocent, was taken as a wicked person that we who are wicked might be let go as innocent. See, Pilate, in his questioning with, with Jesus, he asked them, what is truth? He says, truth, what is truth? But he never waited for a reply. The word says right after he asked, what is truth? He walked out. See, thousands ask that question in the same way. They have a fixed disregard for the Bible. They ridicule the validity of the word, unwilling to investigate and to wait at the gates of wisdom. So, so like Pilate, they remain ignorant of the great source of truth. And they die in darkness and in error. The word says all might find truth if they should seek it. I love to meet people who ask, what is truth? And they're actually willing to wait and find out. And are actually willing to, to seek it out. Family, this story doesn't end there. We'll get into the final chapters as John unfolds. But now our story doesn't end there. It lives on in us. Every one of us needs to tell their story because it's our story. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of an incredible rescue. It's the story of passion and purpose. It's the story of a redeemer sent to save the world, which he created out of love and for love, and he created to love. I want to pray for two kinds of people today. The worship team you would come. I want to pray for those. I, I, I really just feel burdened for this. I want to pray for those that are seeking and asking, man, what is truth? I don't know if I could believe this thing. I've been coming to church maybe for a little while. I've been coming to church for a long time, whatever it is, but I'm still questioning, man. I still have doubts. If that's you, I want you to stand up and not be ashamed. I want you to say, man, I want to believe. But, you know, I have questions. I have doubts. Is that all right? I want you to know that, that Jesus... Did you know that Jesus loved doubters? 
I know the, the, the you know, the, the religion and, and man and church won't, won't talk about this. They won't, you know, advertise. But Jesus loved doubters. When John the Baptist said, are you really the Messiah? Jesus gave him proof. God gave him evidence. Well, how about, how about Thomas? So we call doubting Thomas. When, when Thomas came and said, I'm not going to believe until, I, until I, I put my hands in the finger, until I put my hands in the wounds. And, and he said that outside. Jesus never even heard him say that. He said that to, to people. And then Jesus came to the doubter. And he said, touch me. Investigate. He could have said, I don't need you. If you, don't, if you doubt me, fine, bounce. But he appears to, to the doubter and he says, come and look, touch it, examine this truth for yourself. And then he says, then stop doubting and believe. Isn't that a beautiful picture? I want to pray also for those that have the truth, that they would be able to live it to the fullest. That they'll be able to celebrate every day with every opportunity that they have that you'd be willing to tell the story. Not the story of this church, not the story, but your story. The story of how, how a sin-sick man or woman, a sin-sick young person was rescued by God. How God stepped into my life through this one, through that one. How, however it is, how God stepped into my life and rescued me. All of you have that story. And it's time that we were bold enough to share it. Amen. If we all told the story and, and we were able to hear the incredible testimonies that are sitting just in this room alone, this room alone would not be able to contain us next week. Amen. So I want you to come. Would, would, would you just come down? Would you? Let's all stand for a moment as we pray. Church, if there's no laughter, then Jesus has gone somewhere else. If there's no joy and freedom, then this cannot be a church. And if there is no celebration, then there is no real worship. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And it doesn't end there. That whosoever believes shall not perish but have everlasting life. If you need to believe that today, if you need to say, God, I want to believe that today, would you just come down? Would you come down? Would you just man up? Would you just, just be encouraged, be strengthened and say, God, man, I, I doubt sometimes, I question sometimes, but God, I'm a true seeker. I want to investigate. I want to know more. Just come down. I believe God is going to show you. I believe God's going to hear you. That's not being a hypocrite. A hypocrite will sit back and say, I am. hypocrite would say, I don't want people to know that I doubt. I want people to think I got it all together. Listen, the good news today is no matter where you are, it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. You think you've gone too far. You think you've messed up. You think, man, I knew God so much and I served Him so much and then I bounced and I did all kinds of wicked. It doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. He said, but I've tried too many times. I've been to the altar too many times. I've said that prayer too many times. It doesn't 
end there. You could be saying, but you know what? I already bought my costume for the party this weekend. And now I don't feel like I need to. Listen, it doesn't end there. I ain't even tell you not to go. But right now, if God is telling you to come, come. I don't care what you do this weekend. If God is calling you to come, come. Amen? That's all that matters. You can do whatever you want to do. You can go wherever you want to go. But if God is calling you to come, then come. Jason, would you come? to pray for those people today. I want you to pray for those that have come forward. And then we're going to worship together and we're going to celebrate. Get ready to celebrate, worship team. You know, today, before I even get to praying, today, Ephraim spoke about uh, a fight inside during the worship. You know what I mean? And he spoke about how a lot of times the fight isn't within us. I felt that this week, a lot of us have struggled, not with the things around us so much, but the things that we're dealing with inside. I felt that a lot of the sin that, was, that, was, that we dealt with this week was stuff that we walked in ourselves. That there was very little temptation, but we walked in it, we stepped in it. And I feel that today is a day to break that, and this week to challenge ourselves to break out of that. To say, you know what? Judas is going to come. He's going to bring his army. And just like Jesus, he's going to ask us, who are you? You know, he's going to say, I, you know, I'm looking for Jason. I'm looking for, for, for that warrior that goes to Sanctuary Fellowship. And you're going to say, here I am. And you're going to see the army flee and fall. I believe that this week. I believe that today. So those of you who have come up front, do you believe that today? Do you believe that all the things you're struggling with, that the things you're going to struggle with when you walk out of here, the sin that's going to be out there, we're born in it, we walk in it, sin is in this very room. Do you believe that today there could be a change? I could pray for you today, but if you walk out of here with the same mentality, you, you walk in, that fight is still inside of you. But today, if you're willing to give it up, If you're willing to turn inside out today and say, God, you see all this ugliness inside? Take it out. I don't want it anymore. And I believe there's more of you here today that maybe you didn't step up to the front. But we need this. I need this today. See, I I didn't have this revelation this week. I went through it this week. So I'm up here and you think, oh, this guy's a leader, whatever. He plays the worship team, pastor. We went through it. We preach it because we walk it. So we're no different than you. So we need this together. Family, are we ready to move on today? Are we ready to to step on sin's head? And say, no more are we going to fight this fight inside of us. All right? Lord Jesus, we just pray right now. I pray for your flock, for all of us today, Father God. Today, Lord, we present it to you. We say that no longer will we struggle with those sins, Father God, that, that, that have been we've been dealing with inside of us, Lord Father. Today, Lord, we take we make we take a stand today, Father God. And we say, much like you did when you were on this earth, Jesus, much like you, you, you stood up and said, Here I am he that we
we will say the same thing. We will walk in your footsteps today. We will be in your image, Lord Father God. And when, when Judas comes with his army, we will say we represent Christ and Christ represents us. And therefore you must flee in the name of Jesus. Drop in the name of Jesus. Slain in the name of Jesus. So this week, we speak to our sin and we say, get out. We rebuke you. Demons, get out. We rebuke you. Devil, you have no place in our life. We rebuke you in the name of Jesus. When he comes into your home this week, when, when trials are in your home and in your offices and in your job, we say, I am he. It will drop. It will drop this week. At this very moment, let's proclaim it. Start lifting up our hands right now. And let's just start praying and say, Jesus, we need you right now. This week is over. Tonight, today, it is over. When I walk out of this place, I'm different. I'm clean. Inside, there is no more sin. There is nothing I will deal with anymore. There is no problem too big nor too small for Christ. And today we proclaim that there is healing, that there is prosperity, signs, wonders, and all that. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Welcome home to the sanctuary. A place of rest for the broken and weary. Where you can let go, cause you're fully known. My forever daddy, oh how we love you so. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless. Jesus.